This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. America is supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. Unfortunately, though, as of late, America is becoming the land of troop shortages and the home of the homeless. There are two very disturbing trends which are being reported widely on this week, both of which I think are problematic both of which I think require major attention and both of which I suspect are not getting enough attention in the mainstream media. Have you heard about this anywhere? Let's begin with the military situation. Here is the top line takeaway. The United States military has reached the smallest number since before World War II. The Daily Mail reporting The United States is sent to enter 2024 with its smallest military in more than eight decades. And it faces one of its greatest challenges as it tries to boost recruiting from Generation Z. This is not according to me, not according to independent analysts. This is according to the Pentagon. So under the $886 billion annual defense bill passed by Congress this week, total active duty troop numbers will fall to one million two hundred eighty four thousand five hundred next year that's the lowest total number since before the u.s entered world war ii in 1941 and officials said and i want to be very clear here we're not talking about this is the lowest percentage no this is the lowest total number even though the percentage even though the um, population in this country has grown the number of troops has not It has stayed the same or fallen. The um, a lot of people are calling for and I think I've kind of come to this point as well. Some sort of national call to service. Recent recruitments targets were missed in the Army, the Navy and the Air Force, although the Marine Corps and the newly established Space Force reached their goals. Some branches of the armed forces have gone to more extreme lengths recently to boost their recruitment levels. Earlier this year, the Navy made yeoman second class Joshua Kelly an active duty sailor and drag queen, one of five Navy digital ambassadors in a pilot recruitment program. The Air Force made a move in April to recruit more Americans into its ranks by decreasing weight standards. It used to be if you were over a certain weight or over a certain body mass index, you couldn't be in the Air Force. Well, they've essentially gotten much more liberal with that. The Army is facing the largest recruitment problem out of anybody. They are down significantly. The Army is down over 40,000 troops Over the past three years. Now, what's amazing about me about this, the military aspect of this, is not that it's happening because we've covered a lot of the reasons 
why it's uh, why this is the case. And, you know, we've done the segment before solely on the military. And inevitably, there's about 11 different explanations that come up. Some people say they're not paying the members of the military enough. Other people say uh, folks get uh, fed up with wokeism. Other people say there's a, a lack of things like um, shared sacrifice and patriotism. My contention is, unlike in World War II, People don't want to join the military because they think they're going to go somewhere and fight for Ukraine or Syria or Iraq or Afghanistan. You don't get the sense that the military, the men and women of the military, are being used to fight America's wars. You get the sense that they're being used to fight other countries' civil wars. And I don't think a lot of people really want to stand up for that. And I don't think they want to risk their own lives to pick a side from uh, between Saudi Arabia and Iran. I think that's really the fundamental problem. And I think cynicism is just at an all-time high when it comes to when it comes to the military right now. I think uh, we've seen what a mistake it was to get involved in the war in Iraq. We've seen how poorly handled the war in Afghanistan was. We've seen how futile our military intervention in Libya, although that was less about American ground troops, although as uh, Christopher Stevens and others can tell you, we certainly did lose Americans in Libya. But I think you're just getting... At least I feel this way. I feel there's a fatigue when it comes to American military interventionism or adventurism. The other trend that's popped up in the news this week is equally disturbing. The level of homeless people in this country leapt 12% this year to the highest number ever recorded. Not according to me. This is according to... HUD, new HUD data, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. This was out just two days ago. Wall Street Journal, uh, really comprehensive article on this. They're reporting that among the reasons are pandemic-era federal aid programs that have tapered off, a housing stock that has remained expensive and too scarce, and yes, the opioid crisis that has kept destabilizing many lives. This increase, meaning the increase in homelessness, was broad across many categories and places, but in particular, 55% of the jump came among Hispanic people. Now, that's in part a reflection of the surge of migrants to many cities, but I I think it's in part a reflection of a number of other factors as well. Not only what I just mentioned, but the fact that uh, a lot of jobs that were previously done by manual laborers are being replaced by things like automation. So here we are. You know, you heard the expression in uh, Tale of Two Cities, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. This is a situation where this is the worst of times and this is the worst of times. Do we need as many troops now as we did during World War II? Of course not. But this is a this is the canary in the coal mine. The fact that the army is missing its recruitment goals. The fact that at a time when America is involved in conflicts in the Middle East, in Eastern Europe, and poised to be involved in uh, a conflict in Asia, and the military, with the exception of the Marines and the Space Force, is not meeting its recruitment goals, that's major cause for concern. 800-848-9222. Now, on top of that, you take into account the fact that homelessness is up to record highs. 
I think we are in real trouble, real trouble. You know, uh, so often the discussions in the presidential race, the discussions in the media, the discussions, you know, among cocktail parties, it's about stuff that's silly. These two issues, falling military recruitment goals and the rise in homelessness, are something that should be at the forefront of every American's consciousness. And I think we all, all those of us in the media, those of us in the public, people in politics, we need to step up and say what we're going to do about this. Because if these trends continue, where's the country going to be in 10 years? Where's the country going to be in 20 years? I mean, homelessness going up, 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 up. Military recruitment going down, down, down. Sure, a lot of the military jobs can be done by automation pretty soon. Maybe you won't even need a fighter pilot. Maybe a lot of those fighter pilots can be uh, piloted entirely by AI. We've already seen drones take the place that was of what was formerly human, um, you know, human personnel before. You still need people to fight these wars, if there are going to be wars. And if we're talking about the kind of thing that I'd love to see the military be used for, which is defending our own country, you know, things like this, the border and other things, you're going to need some troops to do that. So I'd love your reaction to both of these things. And even more than your reaction, I'd love your solutions to what can be done about this. Homelessness is up. Military recruiting goals are down. Record levels on both. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Joe in Lindbrook. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. How are you? I'm doing just, just great. Thing. Thank you. Uh, you know what? You talk about the homelessness. A lot of that homelessness is from veterans. Okay? The, that's my opinion. Now, another thing is, it's also these millennials today Listen to the government saying about how bad the military is. What, yeah. right, that's my opinion. Now, again, maybe you school me. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never served. I mean, my, my father was in World War II. I know friends of mine who were in Vietnam. But the military, this is being done because of what the government's saying and getting to these, these kids today that don't want to serve. Well, first of all, a lot of the millennials are getting to an age where they're too old to serve in the military, right? I mean, um, I think if you're a millennial, you're – I think the oldest that they let you serve in the military, with the exception of the Auxiliary Coast Guard and the National Guard, I think the oldest you can be is uh, 44. If you're a millennial these days, uh, chances are you're between the age of uh, of 34 and 45, thereabouts. So a lot of the millennials are too old to serve. But But as far as Gen Z goes, I think you have a great point when it comes to Gen Z. They don't feel a vested interest. They don't feel a kinship. They don't feel a desire. And we can talk about whether it's due to lack of patriotism. We can talk about whether it's due to a lack of um, values that they grew up with. I believe believe that's all a factor. Your other point, I think, is so on the money. And it's, it's something that has improved a little bit um, recently, but it's still very problematic. It, It depends on... And I'm talking about what you mentioned about veteran homelessness. The um, they estimate, and it depends on which study you look at, but uh, they estimate that about 10.6 percent of all homeless people in this country are veterans. That's about 
35,574 veterans who experienced homelessness just last year alone. And that's up. So that's up 7.4%. Veterans are also twice as likely to become homeless as people who have not served in the military. So to your point, Joe, if you're thinking about a career and you're interested, you're willing to risk your life and you you have some some desire to serve the community, are you going to pick firefighter? Are you going to pick sanitation? Are you going to pick teacher? Are you going to pick uh, other aspects of law enforcement? Are you going to pick police officer? Or are you going to pick veteran? I'm a retired police officer. Yeah. I'm a retired police officer. Okay? All right. But my question is, is kids today, what they see today is they don't want to serve because of what the the, uh, how the government betrays them that's my feeling yeah. right now. Well, yeah, Joe, thank you. I, I think that's certainly part of it. I think part of it is they don't want to serve in places that they don't have a vested interest in defending. Uh, I don't get the sense that uh, someone that's 18, 19, 20 years old is eager to risk their lives to uh, liberate Iraq or l- risk their lives to liberate Afghanistan, stay there for 20 years only to see the Taliban come back in. I don't get the sense that they have a vested interest in uh, overthrowing Bashar al-Assad or helping, um, not that there's troops there, uh, at least not combat troops, uh, or helping um, repel Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. I don't think so. After Pearl Harbor, it was very clear that the war had come to America's shores. Prior to World War II, with a few exceptions in American history, pretty much America had heeded the advice of George Washington, advice that I feel was very wise. Stay out of the affairs of Europe. And I think, in part due to that mentality, and some people call it isolationism, I think that's a a derogatory term, I think it's an unfair term, prior, uh, I think that's part of what allowed the United States to prosper. And up until recently, China was taking a similar approach. They weren't getting involved in military conflicts all over the world. Now, China's gotten a little bit more like the United States. Now they are getting a little bit more involved in conflicts around the world. But the whatever the cause, the problem remains. We're not meeting our military recruitment goals, and homelessness is going up to record levels. Both of these are problematic. And again, this is not some right-wing or left-wing think tank that's coming out with this in order to raise money or to work people into a tizzy. These numbers come from the government themselves, the Pentagon in the case of the military and HUD in the case of homelessness. They're their numbers. And I find this very disturbing. Yet I'm looking at five screens right now, all with different news channels on them. Uh, Not one of them is focused on this. I see uh, Trump Colorado ruling, Trump Colorado ruling. I see, uh, you know, Uber, you know, Uber ads. And I see a a commercial for um, identity theft. That's what I see on the screens in front of me. Not anybody talking about what I think is bordering on a crisis. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Roger is in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hi, Roger. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. All right, on the the idea of national service, I've said this before, I think one, one of the main reasons why it is necessary is because I think a lot of money and time is wasted for young people to go out of high school and into college 
when they're not 100% sure what the career go- a lot of them don't don't um, follow through with the co- with uh, the four years so they have a career change they need some time to think get into the real world and do, do some hands on maybe as social workers uh, in this country I, I used to think peace corps okay um, or and the military but maybe now with the with the way of the homeless maybe they could you know, practice some hands-on um, social work uh, regarding homelessness in this country, whether it's converting some of, I think we have office buildings that are not fully utilized nowadays. I see apartment buildings being thrown up. You know, for instance, uh, I, I imagine there's plenty of construction jobs that could be had to de- to, to, in order to, con- to deal with housing. Um, for, so, so, so young men or women want to get into that in that area in that respect, and um, and that would also help with the housing situation. Again, I think they're throwing up apartment buildings all over the place, at least in my city, and they're I think underutilized office buildings and who knows what types of buildings that could be converted. Um, but I, I do think a national service, and then afterwards they'll have a clearer head to think of a, a real career, what they really want to do with their life, and then pursue college and maybe even uh, receive some uh, federal aid as having been done the service you know, for four years uh, toward their college. Roger, I um, I agree with you. Uh, those are the kind of reforms that I've talked about before, and I, I don't I don't part company from you with you on any of those. 800-848-9222. Al in New York City. Hi, Al. Good morning, Frank. Listen, all these problems can be solved. Start of World War II, we had a much smaller population, yet 16 million people served. Uh, consistently, the races have been there. We've got 750, 750 bases around the world, all right? You found out that New York City all along could have helped homeless people because magically, somehow, 100,000 people are being housed right now. So I tell you this, take a look once in a while, Google, how much of the state of California, which is overwhelmed with, almost, with homeless people, how much is owned by the feds? It's like 45%. Most of the states have that, those kind of high proportions when you go out west. Fully 28% of the United States is owned by the feds. What is the footprint of a house 10 by 10? Nothing. You can manufacture them. You could make all these immigrants come and give them just regular minimum wage jobs, just mass producing them. And you know where you place them? On the edges of bases. And then soldiers would be able to guess what? Have warmth. They could have showers. They could have food. And they can all get VA benefits. Guess what? They can get VA loans, and they can own their little tiny home. All right? So all these things. And let me tell you what. When, when we were kids, you wanted to be a fireman. You wanted to be a cop, right? Guess what? You know what they paid? Good salaries. You know what they are now? $131,000 NYPD fire department corrections. Sanitation makes 90% of that, but because of built-in incentives and overtime more. But kids don't want these jobs. There used to be 100,000 people waiting to become a Nassau County cop. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And um, look, I mean, Nassau you know County is... Sorry, go ahead. And Frank, did you want to get a driver's license when you were, when you were uh, 17 or 18? Nobody wants it. You know what I mean? I got a skateboard. I go Uber. I got seven hours on my, t- uh, my, 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 my phone. That's what's happening. Listen, in China right now, they have the same exact problem. You know why? It's called the let rot or lie flat. Uh, culture. And that's where kids decide, you know what? It just ain't worth it to go out every day to look for something. I'm hanging out on the couch. I'm going to surf the net. And so it's a worldwide problem of this generation. I'm not saying that uh, they went from greatest to zero generation. I'm just telling you right now, 
kids today, a lot of them, no respect for nothing. Now, when you and, say kids, uh, Al, they, what age are you talking about when you say kids? I'm talking about military uh, age, which was always 17 to 34. They continuously have to raise up the age, right, and lower it. Do you know when the Army is short, 40,000 or 48,000 people? You know what that is? That's four divisions. 101st, 82nd. Uh, it's just terrible when you think about it that those numbers are low. I tell you this. We're down to about 270-something ships in the Navy. At the end of World War II, on VJ Day, which was when they ended up in Japan, September 1st, 1945, we had 7,600 ships, okay? 99 carriers. We had 15 under Ronald Reagan. You know, we're down to 11. You know how long they take to build? Eight or nine years. The Gerald R. Ford right now, like $4 billion. You see, and... We're greater than that. We have it. We have all this land. We have the people. New York City, amazingly, has provided housing for 100000 And you know what's sad? Just like how they, they knocked that thing down on that island, okay? They built it, then they knocked it down. They built it. When all this is said and done, do you think that they're going to say, hey, have 100000 of New York's homeless go in there and the streets will be sweet to them and they'll have a place to stay and be warm? No. They'll knock it down again. And say, well, we have no place for you. No, we have a place. we got to open up our hearts and say, listen, these veterans that are dying of one, one an hour every day, day in and out, 22, 24, they deserve it. So we got all these bases. We got – look at the size of Fort Hood or Fort or Ord in California. So, so big you wouldn't imagine. Guess what? We could put them. Plattsburgh, we got Fort Drum. We got all these places. And, and let out the, our veterans who have put everything on the line – live in dignity. Let me tell you, these kids today, there's no calculus, oh, I don't want to go to Iran because I saw this on TikTok. No, they don't have that kind of uh, sophistication. It's all about, I hate to say it, lazy. Why do it if we don't have to? Yeah, I'd be a cop at 100 Al, I have to run. I have to run. Thank you. I I think laziness is a part of it, but honestly, I don't think that explains the whole story. I know a lot of young people, and especially in the age range that you referred to, 17 to 34, And I don't get the sense that there's either a lack of intelligence or a lack of uh, willingness to work. I just don't think that it's something that they view as affecting them. They don't think that there's a vested interest. You you say that, oh, they don't want to go to Iran. No, I I do think they are aware of what's going on around the world. And I, I don't think they want a part of it. Also, I think there's an awareness of how a lot of veterans turn out, not only homelessness and suicide, but issues like PTSD, difficulties with things like getting health care through the Veterans Administration. I don't think it's all laziness. Could it be a part of it? Sure. I don't think that's the whole story, not by a long shot. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. One open line if you want to comment, 800 This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know, it's funny. Our listener of the week is uh, original Rick from New Jersey. And um, he sent me a list of songs they wanted to play. Not as thorough as a lot of the other previous listeners of the week in terms of song title and artist, you know, and emailing, which I had requested. He's again, instead of emailing, he's sending an SMS text message, which means I have to retype the email myself. And he says uh, the, the songs that he requested, one of them was was, let's see here, how about Ricky, You're So Fine? No artist. So, again, now this is what I love, a homework assignment when we're trying to do the right thing. But he is the listener of the week, so we got we to gotta do what we got to do. So I said, did you mean hey, hey Ricky or Hey Mickey? And he says, Hey Ricky, thanks again, Frank. I said, by Weird Al? Because Weird Al Yankovic did a satire of the song that you just heard. And it's all about Ricky Ricardo and Lucy. It's really, it's a great song. I'm a Weird Al fan. And he says, no, if you can't find it, that's fine. No, I can find it, but the song you're describing doesn't exist. And he says, the Hey Ricky song started with the words, Hey Ricky, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hope that helps. No, Rick, it didn't. Hey Mickey starts that way, then there's a Weird Al satire of that particular song that has a similar lyric. It's not exactly that, but it's similar. So I said, that's Hey Mickey by Tony Basil. The parody is Hey Ricky by Weird Al. And then original Rick says, got it, you're on top of things as usual. And then we got the word right before the show. We're sweating it out. Our whole staff is just sitting by their electronic devices and their phones waiting for Rick's say-so. Can we move forward with these songs? Can we move forward? And finally, we got the word just before the show, go with Weird Al. So we, we thought we'd play both because of the, of the confusion. So we're going to try and get the, the rights to both. We'll see how that goes. So, um, so that's that. So that's uh, Original Rick's first pseudo-request as the, as the listener of the week. We're going to get back to your calls in just a moment. We had our um, Christmas party at the Red Apple Audio Network here. A lot of fun. And Tony, were you there? I didn't see you uh, there. Yes, uh, I was there. I came in a little late. I got in like around um, around a little bit after 8 o'clock. Okay, so I was there, you know, for the front end of things. So, So anyway, I get there and packed. A lot of people here, including a lot of people that I only know via email and a lot of people that I don't get to see, a lot of my colleagues, um, really a wonderful thing. So I get in and our president, uh, Chad, he says, all right, we need you up on the stage, says it to me. And he says it to Andrew Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani and uh, 
Dominic Carter, Rita Cosby, and a lot of the on-air talent. He says, well, we're going to do a short, short program, get up on the stage. So I said, hey, can I take my jacket off and just put my computer down for a minute? So he says, yeah, just a minute, though. We're going to start right away. Great. Okay. So I go into the side area, and I put my computer down, take my jacket off. And then I'm walking up to the stage, say a couple of hellos on the stage, and I look down at the sports jacket that I'm wearing. It's a dark sports jacket. It's it's thick. You could almost wear this just as an outdoor coat. Not on a day like today when it's frigid, but on a normal day, this could function as a, an outer coat as well. That's how thick it is. It's meant for winter. It's a wintertime sports jacket. So anyway, I look down at my sleeve. This is a black sports jacket. I look down at my sleeve, and I see it's not black. It's white because it's covered in white cat hair. Covered. I said, oh, no. I took this from the closet that Prissy hangs out on. I look at my other sleeve. It's also white. My, now, I didn't notice this because I was in a rush trying to get here on time for the party. My sleeves are covered in hair. Then my colleague Rita Cosby happens to be walking next to me. And she starts laughing. She said, what happened? Did you get into a fight with a bear? So now I'm just totally embarrassed. And I'm just trying to, you know, scuttle my way up there and, you know, uh, hide in the back. Hope not a lot of people see me and then get out of there. People are coming up to me. They said, look, you have a tail. You've actually grown a tail. My jacket is front back covered in white cat hair. Covered. Really embarrassing. So then we get up there and all the on-air talent takes a turn um, saying a word or two. And I, you know, I wanted to give a shout out to John and Margot Katsimatidis, but I also wanted to give a shout out to a lot of the people that uh, don't necessarily get the same kind of acclaim that the on-air talent does. Our program director, Matt Meany, our uh, weekend uh, program director, you know, Kevin Kevin Drosh, and a lot of other folks, the salespeople. And basically, folks start heckling me, not only because of the hair on me, but because they felt that I was speaking more than my allotted time, which I was not. I was intentionally very brief, so now I'm just totally embarrassed. So then I'm looking around all over the place. I ask some of the ladies that are here, and I'm just I'm getting stopped by all sorts of people that want to talk to me, but I'm so self-conscious about participating in this conversation that I just want to get out of there. So so many so many people are stopping me. Andrew Giuliani stopped me. He said, uh, and his you know beautiful wife uh, Seville, and they stopped me and they said, uh, hey, what's going on with New Year's Eve Eve this year? And I said, oh, you know we're doing it. I hope you'll come. He says, well, the wife says to me, Seville. Oh, were we not invited? I said, yes, of course you're invited. Of course you're invited. She said, I, I, must, I didn't get an invitation. Well, it must have been caught in your spam folder. Check your spam. I'll re-forward it to you again right now. But then I'm trying to make my way to where I think a lot of the, the females that work here are hanging out because hopefully one of them's got a lint brush that I could brush myself off with. Not working at all. Because I keep getting stopped. Because it's a fun party. And each time that I'm stopped by a different person, all I can think is... I have to get out of this conversation so that I can try and get this beard off of me. So I um, I finally, and I probably came across as rude because I'm totally not into whatever conversation people are having with me. 
everyone's drinking and eating and having a good time. And I'm just trying to get out of this particular room where all the people are and go to an isolated room where maybe I have a chance at finding a lint brush. No, you know, no dice. Can't find a lint brush anywhere. And then I go into an area <clears throat> where a lot of the engineers are hanging out. And I finally find a roll of scotch tape. And I'm using this maybe half an inch wide roll of scotch tape to take off this cat hair strand by strand. It's not going well at all. I said, I need something else here. So I get the receptionist. She finds um, like a masking tape. Now that's thick. That's working well. So I wrap all of my arms in masking tape. I look like a mummy. Just an if a mummy had blue arms, that's what I look like. And uh, Philippe, who used to be a part of this program, he was here. He sees a roll of black gaffer's tape. And so Philippe starts doing my back at while I'm doing my sleeves. Lou Rufino, who works here, he, he starts participating. And I have now a, a team of three people trying to get this hair off of me. And we're barely making a dent. And uh, Justin from the Sid Rosenberg program, he says, how is nobody taking a photograph of this? So I think they they got at least one photo before I um, before I got most of it off. And I was successful in getting most of it off. But I, I will tell you, between the the uh, I'm going to tweet a photo of me with some of this blue masking tape on my sleeves, not tweet, but I put it on Instagram at Morano Vision. If you want to see this, that's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. I will tell you, it was really embarrassing. It was more embarrassed than I've been since uh, thinking that um, Bernie McGurk's daughter was Bernie Carrick's daughter or vice versa. So that was kind of and plus then being heckled. So but I hung out after, you know, I didn't want to be a. A spoil sport. I hung out a bit after that, and then um, you know I ducked out for a little bit to try and get a little bit work done. I had to stop at one other event, and then just came back. And then when I come back, our president is still here, and Chad comes over to me. He says, "Bro, like almost just between us, he's bro. What was that?" I said, "Chad, what are you talking?" About? He says, "When you were up on stage, everyone was asking me what was the matter with you. People." thought you had mold on you. I, I, people didn't want to stand next to I said, Chad, I'm sorry. It's the cat. And then he has a laugh about it. He says, you got to get that cat to shave. Now, the irony is I am covered in the cat hair of a cat that will d- never let me pet her. And yet she has no problem apparently rubbing against my jacket. So the lesson learned is take a look in the mirror before you leave the house. Otherwise, you might end up looking like a gray-haired wolf man. So that's that. Hey, let me tell you what's coming up. We're going to talk in a minute with, um, well, not a minute, about 15 minutes with uh, Marlena Shivo. She's here. And uh, we'll chat a little bit later with Brian Kilmeade. Uh, we'll go through some other fun stuff as well. But for now, I'd love to get your thoughts on the very serious issues of a rise in homelessness and a decrease in military recruitment goals. They're not necessarily related, but I do think the issue of veteran homelessness builds at least a a tangential correlation between the two of them. And uh, by the way, won the football pool last week, and I did not give my picks out over the year, so I am doing that same thing this year, this week, not giving my football pool picks out over the year. 800-848-9222. Alex is in California. Alex, what's on your mind? Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just had two comments about the military issue. The first one is, 
uh, I identify with the Western culture, and uh, I would not want to join the military to sacrifice my life to defend those non-Western values which are increasingly taking hold in the U.S. as a result of our open borders. And the second comment is, there is actually a very easy way to fix the military issue. You simply pay people the market rate for wages to join the military. And that would have to take into consideration the possibility that you'll be sent off to die in an unnecessary war. So I'm guessing that you'd have to have a starting salary of $180,000 for the recruits. Well, I mean, they just raised the um, they just raised the salary, but it's nowhere near one hundred eighty thousand dollars. I would agree with you, though. I think if you knew that's what you were getting paid to be in the military, there'd be no problem with meeting recruitment goals. I agree with that. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. I also woke up with a little bit of um, <clears throat> a little bit of a you know like a soreness in my throat. It doesn't hurt, but. I I guess it's being at all these weddings and parties where you have to shout over the music just so the person next to you can understand what you're having. I was at a party today that um, the person next to me would ask a question and music's playing loudly and I have to scream my answer. Now, meanwhile, I want to just say, well, I spent 20 minutes on that on the radio yesterday. Rather than me do a personal radio show for you about my opinion of this Colorado State Supreme Court case, listen to the freaking radio show. And then the person to my left will say, what, what, what? And then I have to go and repeat the same thing that I just repeated to that person. Oh, okay. And then that person didn't hear, so I have to go, you know. So I think, um, I'm not sick or anything, but I just feel there's a hoarseness to me that's due to overuse, hopefully. And, you know, I can't find the tea. um, They moved everything around because of the party we had here. So I can't find the, um, the tea or the coffee. I don't know where that uh, I don't know where that is. 800-848-9222. David is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, David. Yes. Uh, good morning, Frank. Um, there's a lot to unpack, and I'll just keep it brief. You know, as someone who actually spent time in a homeless shelter for three years, people don't understand what makes people homeless. It's not just lack of money. It's a lot of it is mental illness. A lot of it is alcoholism and drugs. And that is especially true of our veterans who are on the streets, especially the ones who are unhoused. Because as you know, in New York City, anyone who wants shelter can go to an intake center and be in a shelter that night. That's the law. Okay. The people that you see on the street are there because they have problems. Then they don't want to go into shelter for various reasons. They usually say it's because it's dangerous, okay? I'm totally blind. I managed to survive in a shelter for three years without being attacked or murdered, okay? So I don't understand how a uh, physically fit uh, former soldier could make an argument like that. But the other thing is that we don't follow up with our troops once they're out of the military. They need services, and those services are expensive. We don't want to spend money on that, and this goes to the recruitment. The amount of money we pay our soldiers, and I know this because my oldest nephew is in the Army, is it's a penance compared to what they do for this country. And it's not right. They could make more working at McDonald's now in a lot of cities than they would being in the Army. That is why we're having this problem. It's not laziness. It's not cowardice. It's not lack of patriotism. I don't get when people attack the younger generation and, and, and say that they're, they're lazier and they're worse than every generation does that. It's, ha- it's happened ever since I can mm-hmm. remember. All the young people, they're the worst. You know what? 
we need to look at ourselves. Do you know how much an aircraft carrier costs or how much the latest fighter jet costs or the latest nuclear bomber? That's where we're spending our resources. This goes back to the military-industrial complex Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you talk about all the time. This is such a complicated issue, and I think you've oversimplified it by mentioning two very different things at the same time. Well, I look, I, I uh, don't disagree with the vast majority of what you said, especially the $13 billion cost for an aircraft carrier. I, you know, I don't think that I oversimplified it by mentioning two issues at the same time, because I think both of them are indicative of a of two very serious problems that need to be addressed. And I think there there there's a lot to be said that one could be related to the other. But I, um, on the homelessness front, David, let me ask you about that since you've been homeless and you've mentioned being in a shelter. What would you do? I mean, aside from extending certain aid programs perhaps that have been, uh, that have lapsed, that were implemented during the, um, you know, the pandemic, what would you do to reduce the number of streeted homelessness these days? Okay, well, you have to do more mental outreach. And the other thing that's important, and a lot of people don't realize this, and I know you're probably aware of it, there are thousands of empty apartments in New York City that landlords intentionally are keeping empty for various reasons, Um, you know, in order to wait for rents to go up or whatever. There should be a penalty for keeping an apartment empty for longer than a certain period of time. We need to have available housing. I mean, the only reason I'm not homeless right now And I know a lot of people didn't like de Blasio, but they increased the amount of affordable housing. They built more affordable housing. You have to have affordable housing and supportive housing so that people that have drug issues and mental problems can be housed and receive the services they need. And again, it comes down to where we want to spend our money. And, you know, I support, uh, you know, the Ukrainian thing, but maybe we need to spend a little bit less overseas and a little bit more on our fellow citizens. Yeah, amen, David. I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me there. Dutch is in the boogie down Bronx. What do you think, Dutch? Yeah, so the situation, uh, you should first of all get a a black cat to solve that problem, because then you won't be uh, uh, so visible on stage. And uh, the situation with the veterans, uh, I'm a disabled veteran, uh, the, the, uh, the issue is, you don't see people like the Bushes. You know, he brought us to war. He doesn't do anything. None of, he's got a huge family. None of them served in the military. They don't care. Well, first all of all, that's, about, that's not true. I mean, his father was legitimately a war hero during World War yeah, II. And, and, and how long ago was that? 80 years ago? Yeah, I mean, but I'm that's talking about, when he I'm lived. I'm talking about cur- current times. Current times. And uh, did any of his family serve in Afghanistan or uh, Iraq? No, absolutely not. The situation is, I was 32 when I joined the Marine Corps. I was 33 in Paris Island. I had my birthday. Uh, I got paid $16,000 a year. And since I was from New York, the cost of living is more expensive. I had one dependent. But most of the guys that I was with got paid probably about, I don't know, maybe 12000 a year. And a big problem, when you join, uh, first go to Paris Island, they give you a bill for $400 for all your equipment that comes out of your salary. And all your equipment as you're going through training to clean the squad bay, um, your uniform, uniform supplies, cleaning supplies, the squad bay, you have to pay for it out of your own salary. Oof. And while well, they take it out uh, uh, as uh, they deduct it as you get paid. So, I mean, who the hell in their right mind would join the military? 
Why? So, What's the point? So is the issue, in your view, it, it sounds what you're describing like it's kind of a combined issue of both money and morale. Is that right? Well, like I said, you get paid nothing. Uh, and, and look, like I said, the Bush family, all these warmongers, all these, these chicken hawks, they don't have any family in the military. They don't care. They'll happily send you to war without the proper equipment and don't care because they don't have any skin in the game. Well, I mean, that, Dutch, that, I mean, look, you're not going to get me to, you know, defend the the Bushes or the Romneys or the Cheneys, all yeah, the no, people no, that. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. I understand what you said. I've heard that a thousand times. They said Bush the Bush the father. I know he got shot down. They have the video. I'm getting picked up on. That was 80 years ago. Right. No, I'm I get talking it. about. I get it. I get it. And, yeah. and you know, he wasn't one of the people that um, you know that pushed for these these endless wars in the Middle East. Dutch, thank. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. I think that's kind of where not only Robert in Massachusetts, but me and others, that's where if there was some sort of mandatory national service, could include the military, but maybe it also includes the Peace Corps, maybe it also includes teaching fellowships. If there was sort of mandatory service that every 21-year-old had to serve in, that maybe there'd be a feeling that... The folks in the military aren't fighting someone else's war. Because that's, I think, the feeling a lot of people have today. Not everybody, but the vast majority of people that are volunteering to serve in the military, they come from one socioeconomic sphere. And the socioeconomic sphere that they come from, by and large, is not the Nikki Haley, Mitt Romney um, world that just believes in endless war. Now, uh, Joe Biden, to his credit, he's been for all these wars. He did have his son uh, serve in the in the military, including in Iraq. Um, so, you know, to me, a guy like that has at least some credibility. But the rest of these chicken hawks, as uh, as Dutch said, I agree. I think uh, they should put their money where their mouth is. All right, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Until the top of the hour, this is the Beatles. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from uh, my cousin, Deanna. Deanna is uh, a second cousin, but she's also a neighbor. She lives just a few blocks from me. So I feel like since we've been living in walking distance of one another, we've become a little tighter. Also, there's, you know, there's a significant age difference between the two of us. But now that we're both, you know, adults and we're neighbors, I feel like the last couple of years we've had a new level of depth 
to our relationship that wasn't necessarily present in our youth. And uh, this was one of her selections, Get Back by the Beatles. One of the issues that we deal with a lot on this show, it comes up when we talk about the economy. It comes up when we talk about the military. It comes up when we talk about national security. It comes up when we talk about climate change. It's energy. What If there was some magical way to have everyone's homes and businesses be powered and their vehicles that was clean and that was inexpensive, that would seem to solve all the world's problems, right? And for years, that concept has existed in theory, but not in practice. The idea of what they call nuclear, nuclear, or as George W. Bush would say, nuclear, nuclear fusion has been around for a long time. Nuclear fusion is apparently on the verge of a major breakthrough. And this could pave the way for clean energy and a whole lot more. So the future of clean energy is looking brighter by the day because scientists at the National Ignition Facility of the uh, Livermore National Laboratory in California have for the first time discovered a way to repeatedly produce nuclear, see, I want to say nuclear every time, nuclear, as George W. Bush said, nuclear fusion ignition reactions, which create more energy than they consume. Just follow that again. These nuclear fusion ignition reactions create more energy than they consume. This could lead to near limitless clean energy at scale. That's according to NukeNet, which is an independent news agency for the global nuclear industry. This breakthrough comes after many failed attempts and setbacks for this National Ignition Facility. Their story is not only a a triumph for American science, but it's a testament to the value of perseverance and funding that perseverance. So this is exciting. I've got my fingers crossed. Keep asking questions. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.